I don't think it would be right for us to go through 2021 without saying this again. Rush was right. (laughs) Rush Limbaugh was right about 2022. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Said another way, welcome conversationalists and fans of EIB from all across the Fruited Plain, 800-282-282. If you want to be in the program today, your opportunity at talk radio fame. That is, if you can make it through the call screening process run by Mr. Snurdly, I wish you luck. You miss him? I do too. I didn't think it would be right to go through 2022 or through 2021 without reminding ourselves that Rush is already right about 2022. (laughs) He is. I say it in the present tense because I believe Rush Limbaugh, the soul, now is in heaven unbelievably happy. And I, I pray, and hear me, not concerned. Because he knows. And I do miss him. He's the reason I do this. God led me to hear him through a friend. Girlfriend at the time, to be precise. And there were a lot of local hosts who meant a lot to me. And I loved the talk radio format. I loved Paul Harvey. I really did in high school. Used to exit class and and go eat lunch with my dear friend, Matthew, my brother. And we would listen in the car to Paul Harvey. That was a God thing because his dad was a radio executive, incredible radio man. That was a God thing. But it was when I heard Rush and said, you could could do this and get paid? I said, that's it. I'm changing my life. I'm going to pursue this. And that was my first trip through talk radio, now through podcasting. And the Maha used to joke, and I should clarify something. I always want to be clear on this. I I never got to know Rush well. I, I never got that gift. I spoke to him a couple of times. He was incredibly kind, incredibly mellow. And there are people who knew him far better than I. And I think they would agree that he was right about 2022. But I think there's also something that I think is phenomenally important. Towards the end of his life, he took that phrase, with talent on loan from God. And you have to say God that way, God. I believe that when Rush said that, there was a little bit of tongue-in-cheek because I think that he hadn't yet gotten to this comfort point to share his testimony. He, He told us it was uncomfortable for him to share his testimony because he had had such a, an, an important and, and beautiful, uh, life-changing, as they all are, encounters with God. But he shared his testimony. And I remember when he was doing it. And my dear, my dear brother and friend, Alex, texted me and said, are you listening to this? Rush is sharing his testimony. I said, I am. I pulled over. And I sat and listened as Rush shared his testimony. And I was texting some of his friends saying, he's doing it. It was this great gift. But I don't know that Rush ever concentrated enough when he spoke of his talent on loan from God. God. I don't know that he ever concentrated enough on one amazing gift the Lord gave him, among many, work ethic, humor, great voice, unparalleled in radio. There'll never be another voice like that man's. And kindness, creativity, he was remarkably creative. But insight to cut things to the most simple form. Almost like a diamond cutter to tell us things like this. Remember, folks, for Democrats, it's not the outcome of their policies that count. It is the earnestness of their wishes. It's it's the good that they hoped to do. The outcome doesn't matter. They're such good people. They wanted to do such good things. Why should they be measured on the results? What do we see? 
with the party. They're not going to be measured in their results. You see Fauci, you see critical race theory, you see high inflation, which they want to call transitory all of a sudden. You see enormous gas prices. You see a doubling, in some cases tripling, of staple foods like meats. You see the, you see the Taliban armed with our weapons. And let us not forget there's still Americans over there and people who helped Americans. But look, they had good intentions. Like a diamond cutter. Rush could look at that and cut right there, cut right here. Well, but they have such good intentions. And then he would turn it on us. And he would say, and remember, if it's a Republican... It's not the amount of evidence that matters. It's the seriousness of the charge. Donald Trump, pretty serious charge. He was a tool of Putin. The evidence we have now about the fraud that was the response to the COVID flu, about the fraud that was the pushing of these mRNA injections, Rush never got to see the outcome of this. I'd be very curious to see what Rush would say now. Seeing the death, the, the, the harm these things are doing. But Rush was right. He said that the Democrats would show America exactly what they are. If they got power, if Biden got in. And you remember Rush's response to this election. If Biden got in, Rush promised us that the Democrats would show exactly who they are. And the American people would become fed up. One of the last societal warnings that the Maha, the truth detector, America's anchorman, God rest him, shared, was about the so-called vaccine passports. Rush was pro. He was in favor of these injections. Rush loved the technology. He loved the advancements in it. He and President Trump were friends and close friends. <laughs> Sorry, I just remember the, what was it, two hours or something where he and, and uh, the president chatted on the radio show. I don't remember how many times President Trump threw out, you know, a couple of F-bombs here or there. And <laughs> I can remember, uh, Mr. President, I don't know if we're allowed to say that on live radio. Oh, I'm the president. What are they going to do? Put me in jail. <laughs> but he warned us about the so-called passports. As in favor of that technology as Rush was, he said the Democrats won't be able to help themselves. And so they haven't been able to help themselves. And just look at what we have. The discussions on, on, on rationing healthcare are back. The death panels are back, but it's not based upon your actions in terms of health. It's based upon whether or not you will take the knee to the party. That's what it's based upon. Sanjay Gupta and others saying we need to ration healthcare to make sure only people who've had the magic injections get healthcare. That has nothing to do with healthcare. That has fully to do with taking the knee to the party, which is exactly what Rush warned us about with Obamacare. Way back during the Obamacare battle, Rush was right about 2022. You see, I think this is the most fundamentally misunderstood nature of the time that we got to spend with the Maha. The talent unknown from God, it is this insight, this ability to look at the diamond of the world and say, cut here, or the ability to look at the mess of the world and say, no, here's the clear path. Here's the clear explanation for what's happening. Man, that's a gift. Discernment. 
And to add to that, towards the end of his life, sharing his testimony in Christ Jesus, how can you beat it? Certainly he was right about 2022. So let's look at 2022. Because there's some things Rush didn't get to see. Such as McConnellism and the party. And I have another biblical story that I hope inspires all of us to take some comfort in the times in which we live. Coming up this week, I'm going to have my friend Zach Abraham back on from Bulwark, Bulwark Capital Management. Um, We're going to talk about the ESG score with Zach. This is so very important. I'm going to try to make this happen Thursday. And if not, it'll be Friday. But Zach, I'm going to get Zach on. We're going to talk about the environment, social justice, and governance score, which the party wants to replace the balance sheets of companies. So what they're doing is they're taking something that is rational, mathematical, a hard science. That is your balance sheet. What is your profit and loss statement? And on a personal level, what is your credit history? They want to replace that with something that is a soft science. It's not even a science. It is simply opinion. It is virtue signaling. It is a social credit score for businesses. And what this means is the rationale of the market is tossed. Profit and loss no longer matters because why would it matter to the big entities who have, like BlackRock, $9.5 trillion they manage? They don't care about rational markets. In fact, rationality is an enemy to them because rationality allows us to play. So Zach Abraham will join us and we'll talk about how this is going to affect your life. That's an important, important podcast coming up. So Rush warned us about a bunch of things and he is right about 2022. One of the things Rush warned us about was watch what the party rewards and what the party allows and what the party doesn't reward and what the party doesn't allow. Watch for disparate treatment. If you really want to understand what's going on, I used to say where there's a double standard, there's a hidden agenda. And Rush used to say, look how the Democrats treat you versus how Democrats treat others. And that will tell you where they're concentrating their power and their gifts, where they intend to have more. If you want more of something, right, Rush would tell us, if you want less of something, tax it. If you want more of something, subsidize it. Well, what's Fauci subsidizing? To this country, um, you know, to see that they're, they're COVID safe and all of that. But I was thinking, I know you've been asked about this in the past, doctor, about uh, what's happening at the border right now. We have about 18% of the migrant families here, 20% of unaccompanied minors testing positive for uh, the COVID. Uh, if you use the figure 20,000, and that's a, a loose figure, doctor, uh, who have been apprehended, that, that could be up to 4,000 individuals who have COVID. What do we do about that? You know, Neil, I I don't have an easy answer for that. I mean, obviously, Title 42 is still operable at the border, trying to keep people who should not come in into the country. There is testing that is done. I'm I'm certain it's not as extensive as we would like to see. But I have to admit, uh, Neil, I don't have an easy answer. That McConnellism. Mitch McConnell is a good operative of the party. McConnellism. You want the proof? Where is Mitch McConnell with a bill in the Senate to demand that illegal immigrants and Afghan refugees are required to take the injections before they enter the country? Where is it? Now, do I want that to happen? No, not the injections. I want them to go home. In the case of Afghan refugees who actually helped this country and helped our, our, our men and women over there, no, no, bring them over. I want to be clear on that. But that wasn't 200,000 people, and that's what we've brought over, and Joe Biden has hidden them, and the Mockingbird media has employed the propaganda of silence, and we're also just supposed to forget that while there's still Americans over there, they brought in 200,000 people. What I want is McConnell and McCarthy to put on a united front. Because in 2022, the Democrats are showing us exactly who they are. The fact is that there is an attitude of uh, uh, lawlessness in our country that springs from I don't know where. Maybe you do. Yes, I do. It springs from your party. 
Yes, I do. It springs from you saying, I don't know why there aren't uprisings everywhere. It springs from you and your party saying, get in the streets. It, from Obama saying, uh, uh, to the young people in, 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 in the streets, uh, we hear you and, and break more stuff. The McConnellism is this. The Democrats have given him a thousand opportunities to prove beyond any doubt that Rush was right about who the Democrats are, but McConnell is a party member. If he cared about these issues or about winning re-election on a serious basis, he would come to the floor of the Senate, McConnell would go to the House, they would each introduce a bill that would require illegal immigrants and Afghan refugees to get the mRNA injections before they enter our country. And what the Democrats, what are they going to say? I mean, they can go back to Fauci's position last year. Well, I don't think vaccines should be compulsory. I I think this is something that should be left up to the individual. Joe Biden. I I don't even think um, I think the government has the power uh, to require people uh, to get Vaseline. They could go back to that as as Biden's gone back to uh, there's no federal solution to this. Uh, I've never said there was. I don't. There is no federal government. And again, I'm not mocking dementia. I'm mocking the media for not calling out the dementia. McConnell could put that bill up now. McConnell could put up a Defensive Natural Immunity Act now. Right now, they could go to the floor of the Senate and say the evidence is unmistakable, inarguable. It is absolutely clear. Natural immunity trumps the non-immunity created by these injections. I demand the reinstatement of every military member fired because they wouldn't take these injections. Because you see the injected people getting sick too. I demand that they're reinstated. McConnell and McCarthy could have bills like this on the floor of the House and the Senate now. They won't because they do not want it. Rush told us the Democrats would show themselves to be exactly what they are. And what McConnell and McCarthy are playing, here's the charitable assessment of what they're playing. The charitable assessment of what they're playing is this, that their advisors are telling them, when your opponent is committing suicide, Don't bring a knife into the room. Give them more rope. Well, we have an opportunity here. Uh, It's a major turn. Uh, Senate, uh, bring some common sense back. Uh, We can't continue to tax and spend policies. Uh, Democrats uh, just overreach. Uh, they tax and spend. Uh, just tax and spend, and uh, just uh, that's my uh, my platform is uh, just slightly. Uh, well, tax. Uh, I want I want to tax people, but uh, spend uh, money uh, uh, on, on behalf of my uh, my don I mean my constituents, not my donors. I didn't mean to say that. That's the charitable view of why they haven't introduced these bills. Just disappear. They're cutting themselves to death. Just disappear. Meanwhile, cops, firefighters, teachers, nurses, doctors, soldiers, sailors, fired. Meanwhile, illegal immigrants around allowed to come into the country as they please. Not being told they have to get the injections. Meanwhile, awaiting us is a victory because... If we still believe in the two-party system, if we still believe there's this great fundamental difference between Democrats and Republicans, other than the wedge issues that they do disagree on, because the wedge issues are designed for one thing. A wedge is designed to keep things apart. The wedge issue of abortion is that they're playing that to keep us apart. Gun control to keep us apart. Critical race theory. At least the Republicans are standing up to this, aren't they? No, they're not. Parents in Virginia stood up to this after, once again, on on God Bless Rush on his program, we begged parents to do this. We begged them to stand up against this trash. The Republicans simply drafted the parents like a NASCAR car. 
They didn't lead anything. Russia's right about 2022. You better believe the Democrats are showing us exactly who they are. So is the party. So is the media. And so how is it that McConnell in this McConnellist approach isn't in fact trying to capture this again because the duck and cover approach? I mean, if you take this bill I'm talking about and you take this to the floor, the specific one of I want illegal immigrants tested. I want, no, not tested. I want them shot up and the refugees, all of them in the detention camps shot up today. And Fauci's going to say, well, I think this should be personal. You, you can you could go to the floor and take Fauci video bites and make the Democrats disavow Tony Fauci, who talks about testing grandmas. You said earlier this week that if you're vaccinated, you should feel comfortable traveling and, and celebrating the holidays with, with your family. Uh, do, you, do you still believe that? No, I do. If you are vaccinated and boosted and are prudent when you travel, when you're in an airport, to be wearing a mask all the time, you have to be wearing a mask on a plane. Uh, do not do things like go to gatherings where there are people who you do not know what their vaccination status is. If you do that, and some people are even going the extra step or the extra mile, of maybe even getting tested when you have people coming over the house, we now have a much wider availability of point of care tests that you can get a result in about 15 minutes. So take this to the floor of the House and the Senate. I want testing on every single illegal immigrant in these detention camps now. I want testing on every prisoner now. Do I think this makes a difference medically? No, it doesn't. The point is to continue to put the Democrats between them and their constituents, their constituents being felons, their constituents, well, not their constituents, but their owners being big pharma drive that wedge. But they can't because in my judgment, the McConnell's and the McCarthy's understand the power base that is allowing them to maintain some of their power. We are at such a scary point now in terms of this oligarchy. As we talked about on the program yesterday, these two major financial firms who own big, the largest percentages of the media companies, huge percentages of the tech companies, huge percentages of the pharmaceutical companies. And incidentally, you can say all day long, well, that's free enterprise, Herman. If you don't like it, start your own investment bank. Uh huh. Except what they have created in terms of the investment environment is this revolving door between the people who regulate it and the people who work in it. What they've created is these companies like BlackRock get first up at the table for the lowest possible interest rates and, in fact, are able to effectively conjure money by putting in a phone call to the Fed saying, hey, we want to buy up corporate debt which is illegal for them to do. They've done it at least twice in massive amounts of money, corporate debt, illegal to buy. They're buying their debt from their own companies. How about this? Since the Democrats have now revealed who they are. How about this? That McConnell and and McCarthy go to the floor. And they demand right now any and all communications between any and all BlackRock and and, and Roth employees and the Fed and the Treasury, all of it. Every single decision that led to allowing these people to illegally purchase corporate debt, put it on the table. You Can you understand? Well, that's a terrible way to say that. Can, do we all understand the power of what that would mean? Lizzie Warren and Bernie Sanders are right on some things that the game is fixed, but they're wrong that the result or the, the fix, the, the cure for fixing it is to give the government unlimited power. It's insanity that they think that, but this is how this is how communists think. Because then they'll be in charge of things and nothing will ever go wrong because they're the perfect humans. Well, there was only one perfect human. And we'll, get to, we'll, get to, we'll get to the religious point of view on this, the Christian point of view, the biblical point of view, because man, it's good news. <sighs> Such good news. 
So what about taking this to the floor, McCarthy, McConnell? I want every single communication between BlackRock and Roth, these huge BlackRock, $9.5 trillion under management. I want all the communication between them and any member of the Federal Reserve and any member, employee, or otherwise of the Treasury. I want the paper trail where they were allowed to purchase this corporate debt or just come out and point this out. That the Fed went around and purchased the corporate debt of their colleagues and, and recent employees at the big banks. But they didn't purchase the debt of small companies that were crushed by COVID. This is an easy thing to explain. It's illegal. They did it. They took your money. They conjured fake money. They bought corporate debt. They, they enriched these companies. They allowed investors. They told, I'm sure they told people, hey, we're going to buy the debt. You know, uh, act correspondingly in terms of your, uh, in your investments. We're going to be buying that debt. Meanwhile, how many stores do you know that went out of business? Now, Russia is exactly right. The Democrats are showing us exactly who they are. So is the party. And so is McConnell. And McCarthy. And the charitable view of this, again, is that they're calculating. The less charitable, in my opinion, more accurate view of this is they've been told back off. They understand the fight they'd be picking. You remember when Chucky Schumer said about Donald Trump, I would be careful about picking the fights with intelligence services. They have 10 ways through Friday to kneecap you. What did they do? Now, if you want to go back in history to Rush being right about things, it's the Obamacare thing. That is, again, 2022. What do they have now? Control of access to life through health care. Do we all understand that if Rush hadn't bought us the time, God rest him, um, to, uh, to help fight Obamacare and water it down and stomp it out to the degree that we could, do you understand that in the Obama era, they would have had your health care records and would have been able to say that, hey, we're going to need to limit some of life's activities for you because you don't yet have your mind right on things. So in this warning he gave us, he doesn't get to be here with us in 2022. But, you know, I begin the program by saying this is the time through which God has decided we will live. And I, re- I begin it that way very much on purpose. Because I could continue for another two hours on the history of Rush being right and why he's right about 2022. I could go to inflation. I could go to that. He said it. They're going to make Jimmy Carter look like a financial genius. He warned us about this. It's inexorable when these people get control. Mitch. Where's the bill, Kev? Bring drilling back. Bring the cost of oil back down. Where's the bill? Mitch. Kevin McCarthy. His first couple weeks in office, the figurehead was told to to undo this deal that President Trump did to lower the cost of insulin by 300% or whatever. Where's the bill? To bring it back. Uh, we're playing strong defense. Okay. Uh, that's working for you. Your net worth's good. The Republican Party will not rescue you. McConnellism is not going to rescue you. What rescues us is, in my judgment, of course, the word of God as a psychological immunity to the party to guide us, but also to help us make a decision about how we vote and for whom we vote. And once again, there's obviously great lessons, biblical lessons on this. In this case, one of the coolest stories from the Bible, one of the coolest accounts. And this is the account of Joseph. And if you haven't read the Bible recently, this is Genesis 37, the story of Joseph and his family. And you've probably seen the show, Joseph and uh, what is it? The magic multicolored coat. 
the stage show. Donnie Osmond was in that. So there is a, a biblical aspect to this. And what happened was Joseph's brothers conspired against him and decided to, um, you know, knock him down into this hole that he'd be captured and enslaved. And, and of course that did happen. And he was enslaved by the Egyptians and taken away from his home. And he was a slave. And then he showed that he had this promise and he was put into the house of Pharaoh and became Pharaoh's darling. And he had trials in Pharaoh's house and Pharaoh's wife at one point came to Joseph. And it's funny because the translation of the Bible I read said that he was well-built and handsome, well-built. I thought that was a new thing. Um, but she said, Hey, come and sleep with me. And he said, no, how could I dishonor the uh, dishonor God? No. Why would I do that? Dishonor God plus Pharaoh has given me access to everything he has except you because you're your wife. So why would I, why would I violate God's law? And so she lied and, and, and conspired against him and was hurt and angry and said, Oh, he, he tried to take advantage of me. And, and he ended up in prison. Joseph did. And Pharaoh was, you know, unjustifiably angry. Wow. You tried to sleep with my wife. Well, that's not what happened, but in prison, he chose to follow the word of God. Imprisoned. He chose to follow the will of God. Have you felt imprisoned lately? I can't go to football games anymore. My kids can't go to school anymore. I can't go to the theater. I'm not allowed to fly. I'm being fired on January 4th. Even though there's no federal solution. Have you felt imprisoned lately? So Joseph is in prison. And some of the prisoners are talking about dreams. And Joseph is able to use his connection to the Lord Almighty to help translate dreams. And and, and, and um, the Pharaoh's been having some really awful dreams. And so they clean Joseph up. He's in prison for a long time, but they clean him up. And I like how they note the fact that he shaved. And they bring him to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, I understand that you can divine dreams. And he said, no, no, Pharaoh, I can't do that. Um, God does it. But I can ask God to do it for you. And so Joseph does. And just like Daniel, just like Daniel, You know, Joseph is able to show himself to be this this servant of the Pharaoh, but will not violate God's law, just like Daniel, just like Daniel. Another faithful servant. So it comes to pass that Joseph's family, who betrayed him and threw him into this pit and got him enslaved, they come to uh, to, uh, Egypt because they need food. There's a huge famine. Joseph had been advising Pharaoh, hey, look, we gotta we gotta store food. We need to create a food savings account, a food bank, because really there's a famine coming. God has shown me there's a famine coming. We've got to do this. So he did this, and then Pharaoh put him in charge of food. So his family shows up, and there's a whole, and this is an incredible story. Please read the story. Please read the account. It's beautiful, it's incredible, and I want you to read it. So there's a bunch of drama when the family comes back. Joseph immediately knows who they are, but they don't know who he is because they think he's dead. So he puts them through some trials and tribulations and he messes with them a little bit. And then finally, he just breaks down. He finally takes the Egyptians out of the room. He gets a private audience with his family. And it says this in Genesis 37, uh, 45. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they'd done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land. And for the next five, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. 
Have you ever felt imprisoned? In these past two years since they turned on the Great Reset, in March of 2020, Now, we're not going to go serve Pharaoh because we're not going to be asked to do that. And frankly, I don't know that my faith is strong enough. If I got called in to serve Joe Biden, no, I'd go. Oh, I, I, I used to think I wouldn't. But no, certainly if, if the White House called and said, hey, Joe Biden wants to talk to you, I'd go. I'd tell him I'm not allowed to fly, so I'm going to have to drive. I won't wear a woke mask. I won't get tested because those things are lies. I'll not lie. I'll not wear a lie on my face. I'll not put a lie in my body. And I'm not going to let you just put a lie at my nose. But aside from that, sure, I'll go. And if that doesn't work, I'll do a Zoom meeting with him. And I would listen to him. And then I would say, Mr. President, you're lying. You're violating the word of God in every possible capacity. And yeah, in that case, I would call him Mr. President, though I have no trust that he actually won the election. I just don't. Happy to have that discussion with anybody at any time. But I would tell him, you are violating the word of God in every possible capacity, including perverting people's bodies, including destroying God's design, including lying about immune systems, including stealing people's wages, including forcing employers to steal people's wages. Sir, you are sideways with God Almighty. So I have nothing to tell you other than you're sideways with God Almighty. And it's your soul, Joe. And you get to sit in that seat right now but death will come for you. And I'm telling you, you're sideways with God. Get right. We were put in this time not to cower, guys, but to discern. There are people fighting back in the strangest of places. I saw this um, uh, come across Twitter. There's a therapist. Her name is Stephanie Wynn. She wrote the greatest blog. This is linked in the podcast notes. Trans rights activists. Here's how you can report me to the board. This is a brilliant piece of work at Substack. And um, her blog is, uh, let's see, stephaniewynn.substack.com. She calls herself some kind of therapist. And she says to the trans radicals who want me banned because I will not tell a girl that she's a boy. Nor will I do, and she's very smart on how she has navigated this diktat against discussing people's views on gender or their concerns about gender or kids who are feeling that they're, they're the opposite gender or not the real gender. Brilliant. But she gives the trans radicals, hey, here you go. Here's the link where you can report me to the board. Just know that I've already written them a letter and just understand this. If you lie about me, because none of you know me, none of you've met me, none of you've been involved in my therapeutic practice at all. You have no idea what I do. You're going to, if you say you have an idea what I do, you're going to lie. And man, am I going to hold you to account? And I'm smart. I've got 165 IQ. I'm really good with words. And man, I'll take you to court. This is in Portland, Oregon. I don't know her religious views. I don't know if she's saved. I don't know if she knows the Lord. I know she's fighting. Discernment. Vote for people who know the Lord. Vote for people who take the knee only to the Lord. The only knee we take is to the Lord. Yes, that way. Vote for people who proclaim their faith, not market it. Not as a branding exercise, but as their genuine faith. Because they will understand getting sideways with God is the last thing they want. Ask very simple questions. Is there a God of the universe? Who is he? Are the injection traveling papers, are they about medical care? Are the injection passports, are they about health care? Demand these answers. From our pharaohs, vote according to these things. And recognize that the opportunity we have as a mass of people on this podcast to as one voice together say, get right with God, guys. 
Rush told us before he died about his faith. Rush was right about 2022. God is never wrong. He's already told us how this stuff ends. He's already told us who wins. In the long run. But let's take a bunch of people with us in victory. If you have not yet um, shared this program with 10 friends, can I ask you to do that? It's as simple as a social media link. Or you know what's more effective, honestly, is emailing it to friends. Particularly if you have friends who listen to the Maha or listen to me in Seattle and, and don't know I'm gone. I'm not gone, but I'm not on KTTH anymore. Just drop a note, please, to people and say, hey, I am loving this podcast. Or if you, if you love it. And I, I just, I, I have trouble saying things like that. But if you could do that, that's a huge help. Uh, we're going to begin reaching out for more audience. And in fact, I'm willing to spend, I'm going to spend a significant amount of money to make that happen. And that's coming up. I'm so, I'm so happy to be able to talk a little bit about music. And uh, the more I think now about my catalog of songs, I think I mentioned this the other day that my daughter accuses me of becoming Ned Flanders, but there's songs on my playlist now that I just, I have to ban because of the images it puts in my mind. Now, I'm not becoming some, you know, I, 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 I can't believe I'm saying this, but I kind of get it now with, with people who are uh, really strictly religious that, oh, please don't come in here dressed like that. Please don't do that. It's not that I'm some pervert uh, or that I'm, I'm walking around lusting after young girls. Ah, I'm not a, you know, a Clinton. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. I understand this. I did not have sexual relations. And when I say that, I mean specifically uh, capital uh, S and R as defined by the legal documentation to include and only include uh, intercourse that results in the ultimate culmination of the act. Uh, I'm referring specifically to that legalized definition. So capital S, uh, capital R, other than that, yeah, you betcha, I hit that thing. But I understand the wanting to be able to keep your minds good. Right. And I've never needed faith to do that. Or so I thought. But as I listen to my playlist, there's a bunch of songs now. I just can't have there. Because of what what they speak of. And then there's songs I re-examine that I find really beautiful. And I listen to the lyrics and I go, what's going on? There's a band. Well, that's, I don't, that's not what I do. I listen to it and go, oh my gosh, the emptiness. Oh my gosh, the confusion. Oh my gosh, thinking you have something you don't have or there's a process to something that, that, that you think you know the process, but you don't. I've always loved, I understand that they're wildly liberal. That's my guess. Wildly, quote, progressive. In other words, regressive. But I've loved the way the Indigo Girls sing together. The, the, this trading back and forth of melodic positions and one person singing in this harmonic range and the other, and then they trade and the cross play between their voices, it's magical. And there are, there are some acts that do this. Like there's a band from Seattle and I haven't played much of their music here called the Posies. And they've stuck around a lot longer than a lot of people thought they would have. And they become great songwriters, great producers, um, and, and still tour. And, but I, I got to see them with my, my dear friend and brother Matthew in a coffee shop in Seattle when they were two guys, when they were out marketing the uh, cassette tape for what became failure. We walked into this coffee house and John Auer, the, one of the, I'm not chief songwriter, but one of the two songwriters opened this hole and sang Hide Your Love Away by the Beatles, John Lennon principally. And I was just, I thought, oh my goodness gracious, that man can do that. Then they sang together. What? Wow, matching voices. Well, I mean, no, complimentary voices, not matching. Indigo Girls is a song called Closer to Fine. And it's easy to listen to this and actually find it um, good philosophy until you actually dig into it. But the interplay of the voices, the use of guitar works, and again, the trading of harmonic lines here to me is just so gorgeous. Not to mention the strumming. Little melodic line there with the chords. I'm trying to tell you something about my life. Maybe give me insight between black and white. And the best thing you ever done for me is to help me take my life less seriously. It's only life after all. Yeah. 
Well, darkness has a hunger that's insatiable. And lightness has a call that's hard to hear. And I wrap my fear around me like a blanket. I sail my ship of safety till I sank it. I'm crawling on your shores. I went to the doctor. I went to the mountains. I looked to the children. I drank from the fountains. There's more than one answer to these questions, pointing me in a crooked line. And the less I seek my source for some definitive, closer I am to find. Oh, you hear what I'm saying about the melodies? And you heard that? Oh. One of the girls raises her voice there in that in that regard and, and uh, goes up a note. And, oh, it's so beautiful. And it's so very empty. And on a personal note, they say there that less I search myself for some definitive, the closer I am to find. Wow. There's no definitive. That's so comforting. It's the ultimate freedom. There's no definitive. I'll just search through the wise men and I'll go have coffee with the big thinkers. I'll talk to my professor philosophy. And then just coming down to this, I, now that I realize there's no definitive, I'm good. I was on a uh, mountain side once friend of mine is low mountain. I, mean, I don't climb Everest or anything like that, but I was on the side of a cliff and I had earlier made fun of him because he, he jumped over this little gap. He, he was really afraid to jump over this gap. And this is a guy who is nuts. In fact, his nickname was sane, which was actually short for insane. And his real name is Dave and, and David. We call him David. I don't think we call him Dave. And he was we're going to step over this gap. And, and, and I was making fun of him like, Oh, big, scary gap. And then he somehow got it in his head and fell into this gap and I had to pull him out of it. And, and I was, Oh, I've so enjoying making fun of him. He met the definitive of gravity, but the less I search myself for some definitive, the closer I am to find The later that day, not that much later, probably half an hour, we were going down this, I'll say cliffside, stupidly. And I realized that I got to a point in balance where I was either going to fall or slide feet first down this cliff. I'm going to guess I was 15 or 20 feet up. And my biggest thing was, if I can just maintain contact with the rock, it'll slow my fall. So if I can just slide down the rock, I won't be free falling because I realize I'm holding a piece of grass. I can't pull myself up. I, I know this grass isn't going to hold. I know I'm going to go down. I know I'm meeting the definitive of gravity. I know it's there. So I turn my body. I place my back against the rock and I put my hand up, my left hand, right hand holding the grass and I let go. And I slid down the rock and landed. And my friend Dave, David, who never called me my first name ever, he always called me Herman. All of a sudden, I hear Todd. I said, I'm good. I'm okay. I met the definitive of gravity and the objective reality of love from a friend. I was on a roadside in Idaho, and a car went by and it had three wheels. And it was running people off the road. It was a Camaro. And then this car overturned, this truck. My friend, another David, and I stopped and got there just as, as this people were trying to figure out what was going on. And we met this man and this man was just, I mean, he was dizzy. He was hurt. And then he said the, the two most chilling words. He said, my wife, my wife. And we found his wife and she was up the street, up the highway. This was on I-90. And she was dying. 
And we both knew CPR, but we also both knew better than to touch someone who clearly had a broken neck or something. I raced. I ran, I drove 110 miles an hour to a gas station because there were no cell phones then. And I called the police and fire and they came back and I came through the median and they were there. And I walked up to the firefighters, EMTs who were working on her. And I said, um, and I just didn't say, I didn't say anything. I was walking up and then I saw one of the EMTs stand up and he walked past his buddy. He goes, this one's a transport. Meaning she died. This one's a transport. She met the certainty of death. The definitive. She met the definitive of gravity and the definitive of God's laws of physics. An object traveling in one direction will continue to do that until acted upon by another. A person traveling in one philosophical direction will continue to do that until acted upon by another. That could be God, that could be you. To believe that there's no definitive... <laughs> In a world of definitives, fire burns, water is wet, rain comes down. Hold your breath, you die. Cut your head off, you die. It's a world of definitives. You can be an atheist or you can believe there's a higher power. Then observe your universe. Is this a higher power who said, I'm going to leave you all alone? If so, why the rules? Why gravity at all? It's not what he did. There is a definitive. You can search yourself for it, or you can go to the source. Because we're all going to meet that definitive. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please do go be well, be strong, be kind, and of course, please do make sure that you're right with God.